right away. So today's topic is um, the practice of fasting. And we have been on the conversation of around spiritual exercise for, for some weeks now. Um, this should be getting to two months. And it's just been an interesting conversation, actually. Even for me personally, I've learned a lot. I've re refreshed my memory of, um, sorry, I've refreshed my memory of important things, you know. So I would encourage us to, again, go back. To, if you haven't been following the whole series, please go back to our very first series titled Spiritual, Spiritual Growth, yeah? And that's where the conversation started from. Okay, and you can find that on our podcast channel. Um, um, the link to the podcast channel will be sent before the end of today's Bible study. All right, so today we are looking at fasting, okay? And last week we looked at prayer, and today we're looking at fasting. And um, by the way, fasting and prayer goes, go hand in hand. But the reason why we, we, we term today just fasting is because we want to look specifically at the importance of fasting. However, you, you can't separate fasting from prayers, right? Fasting goes together with prayer um, for the most part, right? So we're looking at that today. All right, so let's begin. First, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 and 18. We will start with this um, scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 and uh, verse 16 to verse 18. Please read if you are there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18. Please go ahead if you are there. Yeah, I'm ready from the NIV. All right. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, yes. Go ahead, please. Yeah, it says, it says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for that. So, like we said last week, right? Matthew chapter six reveals to us. Um, three critical things that are that should be seen in every believer's life, all right? And the three of them, Jesus Christ mentioned three of them in, in an interesting way. And he said, he used the word when for them. And he, he didn't say if, meaning it's not dependent on, it's not a probability. It is certain that it should happen in your life, right? He didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. He didn't say if you give. He said when you give. And he didn't say, if you pray, he said, when you pray. And those three statements um, reveal to us that there are certain act activities that should be constant in every believer's life. Meaning, if you pick a believer from the North Pole, pick another believer from the South Pole, you should see these activities constant in the believer's life. If you pick a believer from Asia and pick another, pick a believer from Europe, you should see these activities present in the believer's life, all right? Um, believer's life. And these are prayer, fasting, and giving. Okay, so last week we looked at, at um, prayer. Today we are looking at fasting. And in verse 6, where we, where we read, it says, when you fast, all right? 
Now, fasting is, like I already said, it's non-negotiable. Non it's a non-negotiable spiritual exercise um, for believers, okay? And he said, um, that just like this to go on and says, do not be as the hypocrites, right, of a sad, sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. He says, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Just like we said last week, you know, when we looked at prayer, Jesus Christ made a very similar statement, and he said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who go to pray by the corner so that people can see them pray. So the purpose for their public display of prayer was so that they could get attention and the reputation of being spiritual. And Jesus Christ said that once you do that and people begin to give you accolades and say, ah, this guy can pray. Once your aim of praying becomes, um, once your aim of praying is that people should notice you pray, then Jesus Christ said you've received your reward already. Meaning whatever you're praying for, there's no need expecting a reward from God because you already have received the reward of men. And Jesus Christ says the same thing regards fasting. He said, don't be like hypocrites that go to the corner, I mean, that go and have a sad countenance and they look, you know, they squeeze their face and they look very deep, you know, very spiritual. And it's almost like if you, are, you have a strong face, you are not spiritual. Just like I said, free those people, leave them. Once people begin to notice you from, from your strong face as being spiritual, that you already have your reward, all right? The, the human recognition is your reward for that activity. And just like prayer, fasting is done in the secret and also has a reward. So verse 17 says, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face. Meaning even though you are starving yourself or you are depriving yourself rather of food and of pleasure, don't, let, don't make it obvious. Don't let people know what is going on. Meaning the fasting should be between you and God. God should be the one who, who should tell from you. Who should know that you're fasting? No one should be able to look at your countenance and say, hey, yeah, hi, brother John. You did fast again and be, I just, I just, I just see the way your stomach just going. As I see your face, man, I know saying that seven days straight you did do. Leave it. Nobody should know that you're fasting from your look. And verse 18 says, um, okay, let me read verse 17 and 18 again. But thou, when, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face that thou appear not unto men to fast. So just as was basically saying, disguise yourself. Don't let people know that you're fasting. And he says, but unto God, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward you openly. Again, just like prayer, Jesus Christ lets us know that fasting should be private, okay? And God, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you in the open. Like we said concerning prayer, right, that... Um, Fasting has a reward, and God rewards fasting. So don't, don't think you are, you are depriving yourself from pleasures and food just for nothing. The Bible lets us know that God, who sees the activity you are doing in the secret place, right? You're fasting, you waiting on the Lord. God, who sees it, the Bible says he will reward it openly, okay? And we really need to be consoled in this because a lot of times, God may ask you to fast for people or for, to fast for, um, for things that nobody will ever know. You might, God might lead you to fast for your pastor or fast for your church or fast for your family and nobody would ever know. Only God would know that you are the one, you are fasting. And that your fasting may, may birth a certain dimension of victory, right? 
in that area and nobody would know where the where the victory is coming from except god but the bible says that god will also reward you praise jesus you know i remember a story kenneth hagin shared in one of his books concerning a, a, a young minister who was sent to to pastor a church and when he got there there was an elderly woman who was always praying and always praying and always praying she was just you know always praying church so i don't remember the story exactly but for some reason i think the pastor whatever whatever um, law the pastor made it um sort of stopped the woman from praying and the church stopped growing for a while and pastor was really wor worried as to what was going on and then eventually god revealed to the man to the pastor that it was this woman's consistent prayer that kept this church growing spiritually but the pastor never knew in fact it, it probably probably didn't seem like anything you know when he saw the woman pray or when he knew whenever he saw the woman and he didn't know it was her prayers that was betting that so there are times when god will lead us to do things spiritually that will result in in setting outward manifestations but nobody would know but the bible lets us know that god who sees what is done in secret shall reward you openly praise jesus Okay, so that's our first scripture for introduction. Second scripture is Luke chapter 5, verse 33 to 35. Luke chapter 5, verse 33 to 35. Please read if you are there. Luke chapter 5, verse 33 to 35. Anyone there should please go ahead and read for us. Okay, I'm reading from Amplified Version, testing to test five. Yes. Then they said to him, the disciples of John the Baptist often practiced fasting and offer prayers, and so did the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. Jesus said to them, Can you make the wedding guest of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. They will fast in those days. Hallelujah. Um, just before I continue, let me say that we actually have done a, we did a Bible study on prayer and fasting some months ago. Um, so please go to our podcast channel and, and um, listen to it, right? So it, it contains a lot of information that I didn't, include in this particular Bible study. So please go and, you know, listen to it and um, you'll be blessed. All right. Um, by the way, Faith, do me a favor, please. Drop the link to the what to um, our podcast channel in the comment section. All right. So here, Jesus Christ was confronted by some members of the Pharisees and Sadducees, um, and Pharisees and scribes. And they came to Jesus and said, you know, in other words, they came to him and said, we don't understand this, your method of ministry or this, whatever you are doing. We don't understand because John's disciples, they fast. We see them fasting. We know they fast. Um, the Pharisees, the disciples of the Pharisees, they fast. How come your disciples are eating, eating, every, every small thing, eating, eating, eating everywhere? Why don't they fast? Okay. And before I even continue, you know, the reason why the Pharisees could ask this is because fasting was part of their part of the constitution of the law, all right, was part of the things that they, they normally practiced. Um, it was trans, transferred from several generations from Moses down to them. So it was a common practice to fast. However, Jesus Christ came and, 
And with all the miracles that were going on, his disciples didn't fast. So the people wanted to understand why they did not fast. So Jesus gives an explanation. He said that you can't make the children of the bride chamber, meaning you can't make the, the, um, the groomsmen you know, fast while the, while the bridegroom is with them. Why is with them? Because um, he's there. There's no need to fast. He now says that, but in the days, the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them. He says, then shall they fast in those days. This is very important because, I mean, for most of you, you already know that, you already know and have accepted that, fast, <clears throat> that fasting is, is important. But you know, there's a, there's a, there's a doctrine that the enemy has spun off among some, some Christians that um, say that fasting is, is not good uh, or fasting is not necessary. And you, if you ask them, why, don't, why do you say fasting is not necessary? They'll tell you that because Jesus Christ has done the work. So what are we fasting for? In fact, a, a version of Christianity you know, that some people practice says that we don't even need to pray because Jesus has already done all the work. So what are we praying for? What are we going praying for if he has done everything? It's the same idea that they translate to say, Jesus Christ has already done all the works. Why are we now fasting? And it's, this scripture answers to that because Jesus said the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them. He says, in those days they shall fast. He is the bridegroom, right? So what days will the bridegroom be taking? Um, um, what days, you know, was he referring to when the bridegroom will be taken away from them? Those, Jesus Christ was referring to the days when he would no longer be physically on the earth. And what is the implication of that? If we read the book of John, Jesus Christ told his disciples that it is expedient for you that I go, meaning it is beneficial, it is necessary for you that I go, because if I don't go, I won't be able to send the comforter, meaning Jesus's physical departure from us represents the coming of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus Christ begins to explain, he'll show us all things, lead us into all truth, you know, he'll be our comforter and all the ministry that he has to perform. But Jesus Christ also said here, also said here that when he goes, then we will fast. Meaning when he goes, the Holy Spirit will come and then we will fast. What this suggests to us is that there are dimensions of the Holy Spirit that we will never ever encounter if we don't fast. <clears throat> there are dimensions of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we would never partake of, we'll never taste of if we don't have the discipline and the life, lifestyle of fasting, okay? Because Jesus Christ said, when the bridegroom goes, then they will fast. But there's also something that happens when the bridegroom goes. When the bridegroom goes, the Holy Spirit also comes, okay? And in that time, we would also fast. So I believe this clears the air as to, um, as to whether Christians should fast or not. Clearly speaking, again, let me read verse 35. But the days, days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. Praise God. So if anyone says to you, you know, I'm not fasting because Jesus Christ has already done the work. Mine is just to rest in his finished work and relax in his work and not fast. I will tell you, first of all, your fasting is not to, you know, give you salvation. Definitely. Salvation is based on grace. Okay. Your, your actions don't give you salvation. Your actions don't earn you salvation. But there are things you will never experience that God has already given to you if you do not fast, okay? 
I hope that's clear enough. So I want to ask us a question, you know, before we dive deep into the study, and I really want to hear our responses. Why do we fast? Okay. But before we answer that question, let me let me give a definition that I put up here. Fasting is the deliberate abstinence from food or pleasure for a given period in order, in order to seek the face of God. Let me take that again. Fasting is the deliberate abstinence from food or pleasure for, for, for a given period. I think there's a typo there. For a given period in order to seek the face of God. So the reason why we fast, or what fasting is basically is a conscious and a deliberate abstinence. You know, if if you if somebody doesn't have food, for instance, and he doesn't have food to eat, it is not equal to fasting. You know, in fact, Paul says um, in the book of First Corinthians, he says in hunger, he now says in, in hunger often, in fastings often. So he separated the the periods where he was genuinely hungry from the periods where he actually was fasting, all right? So fasting is a deliberate abstinence. If someone doesn't have food, the person doesn't have food. He doesn't have a choice, right? But when you have a choice, but you intentionally stay away from food or, or any other pleasure, then that is fasting. So abstinence from food or pleasure for a given period, again, fasting is typically for a given period. And I want to say something here. You know, um, people have the tendency to take things in, in either extremes, right? So some people will take it to the extreme that say, we don't need to fast, you know, Jesus Christ has done everything, so let's just be eating away our lives. Some other people might take it to the other extreme to mean that they are supposed to perpetually fast and you know, when there is no wisdom applied to their discipline of fasting, it can lead to excesses that opens the door for other spirits and other, you know, um, experiences that are not born of the spirit of God. So fasting is typically for a given period, all right? Um, and it is in order to seek the face of the Lord, all right? So now to my question for us, and I would like to hear a response. Why do we fast? Okay? Please um, go ahead and share. Um, Luther King, please go ahead and share with us why we fast. I will stop sharing my screen right away so I can see everyone. Yes, go ahead, please, Luther King. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a very good uh, good topic, Baba. Thanks. Um, well, I don't know if I, if I raised my hand to answer that question directly, but something struck me as we we're just reading. Okay. I've read those two scriptures, Matthew, I think it was Matthew 2, and Luke 5, if I'm correct, yeah, Luke 5. Mm -hmm. It's quite interesting. Uh, so maybe this might be a question to you then, or okay. um, uh, would be, and the question would be, if Jesus, right, if Jesus and his disciples were seen um, not to be fasting, or should I say his disciples, mm -hmm. I think Jesus was not fasting um, in Luke 5. Well, hey, let's just say his disciples, right? If the disciples weren't fasting um, in Luke 5, because that was clear, right? His disciples weren't mm -hmm. fasting. So who was Jesus speaking to? Who was he teaching in Matthew 2 when he says, when you fast? If, well, if he knew that his disciples weren't fasting. So it would have been pointless for him to tell his disciples who weren't fasting um, to say, hey, when you fast. Because, you know, we see there that he was 
changing the Jewish custom because if you if you look at the Old Testament, when these yeah. guys fasted, they usually wore sackcloths, covered themselves with ashes, and stuff. Mm. so people just stand in front of their houses. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but he came changing things. Um, so my my question really would be, who was he speaking to in Matthew two? Would he would it be his disciples? Um, or was he speaking to other people? Okay, thank you. Very good question. Um, and also very simple answer as well. Um, so in Matthew, Matthew 6, by the way, it wasn't Matthew 2. Matthew 6, um, where we read initially. So Jesus Christ, so, I mean, let me, let me take us back to chapter 5. From chapter 5, Jesus Christ was speaking to the multitudes. Let me read verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a high mountain, and when he sat, when he was set, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and then he began to teach the teachings from chapter five extended down to chapter seven. All right. Uh, you know, and that covered also chapter six. So Jesus Christ was speaking both to his disciples and to the multitudes when he was talking about fasting. All right. So the question again is if he was speaking to his disciples about fasting and I mean, why would he speak to his disciples about fasting when when, as it were, it wasn't time for them to fast. And the answer is simple. Jesus Christ was preparing them for the periods when they will fast, right? And the, the, the teachings Jesus Christ gave from chapter 5 to chapter 7 um, had applications at the immediate uh, moment and even at the, for the time to come, right? So the, the teachings were limited to their current experiences. He was preparing them for both the current, their current experiences and the experiences that they would have at a later period. All right? I hope that answers it simply. Yeah, right yeah. I actually have a question for us, but let me, I would ask that where after our suggestions. So our question is why do we fast? Why do we fast? I mean, think about it really. Why, why will I just stay away, away from food and then you know, really, why? Why can't I be eating food and be praying? I'll just take like five spoons of my spaghetti and say, Lord God, I bless you. You take another five spoons and say, Lord, I thank you. Why do I need to stay away from food or pleasure generally? Anyone wants to help? Hmm. Anyone wants to help us first? Just why, really, why do we fast? Okay, to me says, for discipline and to hear from God. Okay, to me, do you want to explain a little bit what you mean? From discipline and to, for discipline, sorry, and to hear from God, all right? Okay, uh, for, for discipline, I mean, it, should, it just disciplines you on how you control yourself, maybe for people that, they feel they can't do without food. Just like control yourself and also um, um okay to hear from God too if you if you are seeking God's face for for mm -hmm. a particular situation so mm -hmm. you can fast in order to hear from God. I don't know if fasting makes the whole process faster. I, I don't know what I know you can fast to hear from God. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for that. I would just say right away that yes, fasting makes the process a lot faster. It makes you sharper to hear from God. 
Okay, someone else wants to help us. Why do we fast? Or why, why do, let me ask you, why do you fast? You know, someone to our rescue. Hmm. Well, we say we don't fast. Let's know where we start from. <laughs> yeah, why do Hi, we everyone. Fast? Good evening. Hi, Tugulova. Pastor Victor. Good evening. Okay, well, for me, it's more from a reason to separate myself, right? And so, first of all, I'm like, okay, um, there should be a day where I am separating myself or my, myself from activities and also, you know, just dedicating it to God. So, I use that as an avenue to, you know, just commune with God, right? And then the second aspect, is also to, how do I say it now? To shed off unnecessary weights, right? So most times, I mean, when, not, so when I say weight, I'm not even talking about, oh, losing weight, actually. I'm talking about weight in terms of pressures and all of those things. So most times when I'm fasting, it gives me avenue to sort of just itemize you know okay these things are probably not things you should be focusing on at this time okay you are you are probably losing focus of what should be you know paramount to you at this time so fasting always gives me an avenue to separate the wheat from the shafts right and of course with the use of the scriptures and all of those things as reference it also just brings me into the mood and the atmosphere of okay this is what i need you to focus on basically just communing with the holy spirit so yeah that's it for me Awesome, awesome. Thank you very much, um, Toby. So, who else wants to share with us why do we fast? Why do we fast? Praise God. So you thought us this before, and I didn't want to be like, oh. <laughs> so, if I remember you explaining that um, fasting serves the flesh you know, and it feeds our spirits. And those times when our spirit is like being fed, we are more sensitive to what um, the spirit of God is saying. And in those times, we're even able to birth like new seasons and new phases in our lives. So yeah, sometimes when you want to hear from God, um, fasting um, helps, helps feed our spirit. Okay, awesome, awesome. Thank you very much. Um, I mean, I, this shows you attended our last, the, the, sorry, the, the Bible study we did on fasting and prayer. Okay, so we would proceed now. Um, no, no, let's hear from one more person because I only gave two reasons here intentionally because I wanted us to talk. So on my slide, I only put two reasons why we fast and there are a lot more reasons why we fast. Okay, but I put that so that I could hear from us more, all right? So please, one more person wants to share with us, why do you fast? You know, what do you gain when you fast? What have been your experiences and why do you fast? One more person before we continue. Um, okay. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, I, I believe... <laughs> We've all said it all by, I think I remember um, one of the things you mentioned from the last fasting um, series that we did. Um, 
when Jesus' disciples were to cast out the demon, and Jesus mentioned that um, these things can only be done through prayer and fasting, and then mm-hmm. brings about an emphasis whereby, yes, we pray, but there are some certain things that require fasting to eat. So yeah. maybe there's some longing issues that have been persistent and you've been praying. I don't you try fasting and add fasting to eat. And mm-hmm. yeah, basically. Okay, okay, awesome. Thank you very much. Um, thanks everyone for sharing. So I will show you my two reasons. Okay, Ari says here in the chat that fasting helps me set myself aside to gain focus. I really love that focus, right? Helps me to be sensitive it helps me to gain ascendancy over my flesh. Perfect, right, and very, very correct. Let me explain something from this last comment that, you know, your flesh is your flesh is a very, you know, this thing called the flesh is, is an old stubborn entity. You need discipline to put it under. And the Bible explains in Galatians that the flesh wants what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit wants what is contrary to the flesh. So one of the ways to tame your flesh and all its desires, right, is to, is to deprive it of what satisfies it. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's why fasting is not limited to food alone. Fasting for some people could be fasting from movies. For some, for some people could be fasting from certain associations or certain activities, as, as the case may be. You know, um, when you deprive the flesh of what satisfies it, it is no longer robust. Let me, let me put it this time. It doesn't have, it's no longer proud. It doesn't have high shoulder. It doesn't have energy again. And in that case, it is humble. That's why we check the Old Testament. Most times when they refer to fasting, they say things like, we want to humble ourselves before the Lord. Fasting humbles the strength of your flesh. And then it allows your spirit to gain ascendancy. That allows your spirit to, to find a greater expression. All right. And that is why, like to me mentioned, it, it is easier to, to descend the voice of God or descend the will of God in seasons of fasting than when you are just eating and, you know, satisfying your flesh. Okay. So let's go back to our slide. Um, go back to our slide. All right. So why do we fast? All right. I have two reasons here and I just will share with us quickly. So number one reason is we fast because man does not live on food alone, but on the revealed word of God, all right? And I need to explain what I mean by this. Already, most of you know the scripture, Matthew chapter 4, verse 3 to 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3 to 4. We will read that. Please read if you are there. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, um, 3 to 4. <clears throat> All right, let me read. It says, and when the tempter came to him, that came to Jesus, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So there's something we need to understand here. For, this, for the enemy to come and tempt Jesus first with turning stone to bread, it suggests to us that the first point of attack, right, or first, first point of deception we would most likely have will be around the area of food and satisfaction. All right, don't forget that. Because when, out of many things that the enemy could tempt Jesus with, out of many things that he could say, he came to Jesus first and said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. Meaning that 
and, and that's the same pattern that the enemy you know plays out you remember adam and eve he he tempted them with something that would satisfy their flesh with something that that is satisfaction to them okay and it's the same method the same scheme that the enemy plays out and that is how Esau lost his birthright because he placed the satisfaction of his flesh above something that was though intangible but more important intangible rather but more, more important and in our lives let me just say this we will always be faced with this temptation the temptation to choose physical satisfaction over spiritual discipline and if we do not know the schemes of the enemy we may end up picking um, fiscal satisfaction, which is always temporary over the spiritual discipline and the benefits that lie, lie therein. All right. So enemy came and tempted Jesus Christ with the first temptation was with food. And he said, command these stones to be made bread. Verse four. But he answered and said, that is Jesus answered and said, it is written, <clears throat> man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus Christ was telling the devil that even the word of God has it already written and stipulated that man's life, the sustenance of man is not derived from eating food alone. And this is super, super important. And I'm going to explain why Jesus Christ made that statement. He said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth, mouth of the father. So Jesus Christ began to remind the enemy, remind Satan that you need to remember that man as a, as a complete being, doesn't derive his satisfaction and sustenance from just um, eating food alone, that he derives his sustenance from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And this reminds me of the Bible study we did. Uh, this was, must have been last year when we looked at revealing Jesus and we looked at Jesus Christ as the bread of life, right? And Jesus Christ was explained that eating food is not the only thing that sustains man. There's another thing that sustains man. And he says, it is every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now I need to explain why Jesus Christ said that. Okay. But for me to explain it, let's go to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Um, we'll read some verses and skip to the next chapter. So please stay with me. Okay. As I explained this, Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Okay. So I read. Genesis 1, 26, and God said, let us make man in our image. Mark this, God said, all right? God said, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So chapter one records that man was created clearly. Okay, now let's go to chapter two, verse, um, verse seven. Chapter two, verse seven says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. But hold on, I thought chapter one, said God already created man. So what was God then doing in chapter seven when he says he made man? Whew. Now, okay, I, there, there's a longer explanation to this, but I have to, I have to shorten it. In the realm of the spirit, the way God operates is that before anything manifests on the earth, it is first 
created, meaning the what we we'll call the possibility of its existence is first is first settled in the spirit realm before it manifests in the natural. And that's why when we read the book of Genesis again, you, for the most part of chapter one, God was saying, God was saying, God was saying. Is in chapter two you now see the physical manifestation of what God said. For instance, in chapter one, God already said, let there be trees, let there be shrubs, let the trees produce after its own kind. But in chapter two, you see that the Bible says, um, God, God had not caused rain to fall on the, on the ground, for there was no man to till the earth, meaning the, the trees had not started um, growing yet. Even though in chapter one, God had already created the trees and the plants and all of that, all right? So there are two phases of the creation process. There's the first phase where it is, created, then the second phase where it is made, okay? And the created creation phase is spiritual, is the spiritual existence of the substance. The physical phase is where it is, or rather the phase of where it is being made is a physical phase where it manifests in tangible form. It is the same way man too was created. And that's why I made emphasis in verse, verse 26 that say, say, says rather, and God said, God said, let us make man in our image. And then verse 27 says he created man. So the way man was created in verse, in verse 26 of chapter 1 is by God speaking. At this point, man was not yet flesh and blood. He couldn't touch man. However, the possibility and the spiritual existence of man was created. And this is why verse 27 says he created them both male and female, even though in chapter 2, the first person we see was, was the male, ver male version of the project called man. Do you get that? It was later on that the female version, you know, came into existence. And le let me drive this thought a bit further, okay, before we go back to our topic on fasting. John chapter one says, in the beginning was the word and the word was the God and the word was God. And um, it was with God in the beginning. Bible says he created all things. He says there's nothing that was created that was not created by him. Meaning if anything was ever created, it was created by the word of God, all right? What that means is that if, if it never exists in the realm of the spirit, it can never exist in natural. Meaning the first point of creation is in the realm of the spirit. Even though it doesn't manifest immediately in the physical, it must have a spiritual representation before it can have a physical manifestation. All right, so back to our thoughts. So God created man first in the realm of the spirit before he formed him, that in chapter two now, in the physical and after that physical formation the bible says he formed it out of the dust so that suggests to us it was tangible physical formation that occurred there and then when he formed man he breathed in him the, the breath of life okay and he became a living soul now i said all these things to say something that there is a principle in the realm of the spirit that wherever a thing was created from it will be sustained from what it was created from. It will be sustained by the produce or the result of what it was created from. All right, let me take that again. Whatever a thing was created from, all right, it will be sustained by the same medium it was created from. All right, so the Bible says that um, in verse 26, it lets us know that man was created, God spoke and, and man was created, right? And then verse, verse um, um, chapter two, rather, verse seven, says that man was formed. Please stay with me. Don't, don't, I will explain this if you, if you don't get it. Please just stay with me. 
right? So man was, man originates from, the creation of man has two, two dimensions to it, all right? So there's a spirit dimension and then there's a physical dimension, okay? And that is why man can exist in both realms, right? And play in both realms, both the realm of the spirit and the physical realm. What this also means is that because man was created, has a spiritual aspect of his creation, he has to be sustained from that spiritual path. Also, because man has a physical aspect of his creation, he has to be sustained from that physical path, all right? But what happened after the fall was that man began to depend more on the physical, physical um, sustenance of his experience than the spiritual sustenance of his experience. Remember that you will be sustained from the realm that you were created. And it so happens that the creation of man happened in both realms, both in the spirit realm and the physical realm. So if man would be sustained balancedly, or, or sorry, that, that, uh, there's no word like that. If man would be sustained in a balanced format, he will have to be sustained by what comes from the spirit realm and what comes from the physical realm. This is why Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, meaning man does not live on food alone. So just quite acknowledge that man needs food to survive. However, food is not the only thing man needs for his sustenance. What else does he need for his sustenance? The Bible says that on every word, he lives on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the father. Why does he need the word that proceeds from the mouth of the father? Because at the beginning, man himself was a result of a word that proceeded from the mouth of the father. So Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says, and God said, God spoke, and then man was created. Okay, so because of that action, he was implicated to always derive his sustenance from what God says, because he is a product of what God says. Do you understand that? Because he's a product of what God says, he has to depend on what God says. So the spiritual dimension of man depends on what God says for sustenance. The physical dimension of man depends on what the ground produces because man was formed from the ground, right? The ground produces um, fruits, vegetables, and all of that. And that's why um, God gave um, vegetables and fruits for man to, to eat as his, as, as his food and for his sustenance, okay? So don't forget this. Man requires two requires the produce from two dimensions to succeed or to, to survive rather. He requires the produce from the spiritual dimension and also from the physical dimension. The problem, and this is why fasting is important. The problem is that a lot of times people focus on the, on the produce from the physical dimension for their sustenance, right? So they eat, they eat good food, they eat healthy, which is awesome. And eating good food is a blessing from God. However, we need to make sure we get the produce that also comes from the spiritual, spiritual dimension. And also, let me just say this as a way of balance. You will now see why it is, it is wrong um, to, can we mute our mics, please? It is wrong for us to say we shouldn't eat. You know, the ideology, and, and this is the other extreme of it. When people say, oh, no, all you just need to do is to fast, don't eat, don't just forget about food and fast. You can fast to the detriment of your health and your body would pass away, all right? And you, you'll be helpless because your, your spirit needs your body on the earth to operate. What the scripture teaches is man does not live on bread alone. He, the Bible doesn't say man does not live on bread. He says man does not live on bread alone. So you need the sustenance from both your physical dimension 
and your spiritual dimension. All right, so the way I put it here is, man is a product of two realms and must be sustained by the produce from the two realms. What are the two realms? The spiritual realm and the physical realm. The spiritual, the produce from the spiritual realm is the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The produce from the physical realm is the food that we eat, okay? Now, I need to be sure you understood that. So I wouldn't go further until I'm sure this is clear enough. So please, if this is clear, give me a thumbs up. Just let me know that this is clear or you could drop it in the chat. Is this clear enough? Do I need to explain it again? Okay, to me, gives a thumbs up. Um, Ida gives a thumbs up. Do I need to explain this concept again? Um, I only see two, th two thumbs up. Uh-oh. Anybody else? Is it clear? Is it clear? Hmm. Okay, if it is not clear, give me a thumbs up. If it is not clear, all right, give me a thumbs up. Let me see. Okay, I don't see any thumbs up. Okay, Ari says it's not clear. Good. Um, so Luther King says, I think it's clear, but what's the word that proceeds from the matter of the father? How, how is that in comparison with John chapter one? Okay, fine. I will explain that. Um, so Ari says it's not clear. All right, Ari, please tell me what part is not clear so I can, I can narrow my explanation to address your question. Um, Ari, you're muted. Can you please unmute so we can hear you? Oh, are you there, Ari? You are muted. Okay. Okay, so while you are dropping your chat, let me answer Luther King's question. So he says, um, what's the word that proceeds from the mouth of the father? How is that in comparison with John chapter one. Okay, so <clears throat> let's start from John chapter one. The Bible says in the beginning, well, I guess let's read it, let me not put it from my head. John chapter one, um, you know, this is Bible study, right? So if we stay a bit longer, uh, bear with us. So John chapter one, verse one, and I'll just read like first few verses, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All right, it says the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So the reason I explained, I brought up this scripture was to explain to us the principle of creation, okay? Meaning that this is the way God creates. God first creates in the realm of the spirit before there ever is a physical manifestation. And I explained that when we read Genesis chapter one and read Genesis chapter two, you see that um, the, the things God created in chapter one started manifesting in chapter two, even though they had already been created, okay? And I brought this up to say that, you know, John, um, verse four here, say, verse three rather says, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Meaning without the word, all right? There is nothing that we see in existence that would have been in existence without the word. What that also means is that if there, if there ever is anything we see manifesting physically, it must have been created in the realm of the spirit, right? And that is the impact of the word. So there is nothing that can manifest without 
the word of God, without the without the, the creation of the word. Okay, that's why I read this verse. Now, Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. I was not going to dive into this detail, but see, the question was asked, let me bring it up. The Greek, um, the Greek word translated word in that scripture, right, where we just read in uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse, verse 4, the Greek word, word there is rhema, all right? The rhema of God. And for just to put it in simple, in simple terms, rhema refer, refers to a direct revealed word of God concerning a particular matter, meaning that when God speaks concerning a particular situation, that is the rhema of God. So the whole Bible we have here is generally, generally referred to as logos, from where we get the word logic, giving us an understanding of the logic of God. But then the rhema of God is the direct word that God speaks concerning a particular matter. So Jesus Christ, in essence, was saying that man doesn't live on physical food alone, but on every rhema that God gives us, on every revealed word that God gives us. So what sustains our spirit is the revelation from God. And that is why and one of the descriptions of rhema is the said word, not, not just said in terms of the action of speaking, but said in terms of the direction of the word of God. And that's why Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says, and God said, let us make man, all right? So because God said, and man was created, that means the sustenance of man will be derived from the things that God says to him. Okay, I hope that's clear enough. All right, so Ari says here that I got the explanation of Genesis chapter 1 and 2, but I don't get how it's linked to how man doesn't live by food alone, but by the revealed word. Okay, let me read that again. I don't get how man, how it's linked to the fact that man doesn't live by, by food alone, but by the revealed word. Okay, so I guess I need to backtrack my explanation a bit. All right. Um, um, hold on. All right, so let me take yes, it back. Just something in the chat, Victor. So I think your last explanation cleared it for me. Oh, okay, 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 good. Okay, ah, thank you. Thanks for saving me that. All right, so let's proceed, please. Um, all right, let's proceed. So that's reason number one. Um, I know it sounded a bit technical, but I just wanted to explain, because we quote this a lot, that man doesn't live on bread alone, but I just wanted to explain in detail what that means. So first reason why we, why we fast is because, um, and, and let me tie it up this way. So when we fast, it gives us access. We, like we already explained, we condition our spirits to receive from God, all right? We are in a better position to receive the revealed word from God. Um, time will permit us to read Isaiah chapter 58. But the Bible explains one of the results of fasting that Isaiah 58 explains. He says, then your light shall break forth. That light represents the word of God, represents the, the, the experience we have when God's word comes to us. All right. And that happens a lot in the place of fasting. Okay. Um, all right, so when we fast, we condition our spirits to receive the word of God, and the word of God is important because man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, every word that God reveals to us. Reason number two, why do we fast? Uh, let me check my time. Oh, wow. So we fast because God pours 
God only pours new wine into new wine skins. What does new wine represent? New wine represents the dimensions of the Holy Spirit. All right, so let's read Luke chapter 58. Sorry, Luke chapter 5, verse 36 to 39. Um, that was a mistake there. Luke chapter 50, Luke chapter 5, verse 36 to 39. All right, Luke chapter 5, verse 36 to 39. And I let me go ahead and read. So, by the way, in our opening scripture, we read verse 34 to 35. So this is just a continuation of the same thoughts, all right? And um, when Jesus Christ, when they asked him, why don't your disciples fast? And Jesus Christ said, when the bridegroom goes, then they will fast, all right? So in the same context of fasting, which is what, one thing I want to point out, it was in the same context of fasting that Jesus Christ begins to talk about the new wine. So that lets us know that he was referring to fasting already in this same context. So verse 36 says, and he spake also a parable unto them, saying, No man puts a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. What he's saying is, nobody takes a piece of an old garment and then of a, takes a piece of a new garment and attaches it to, a, to an old garment. He says, If you do that, the new garment will wear. Will, tear out the, the old garment. That patch will be torn out, okay? And then he goes further to explain this concept and says, and no man puts new wine into old bottles. Else the new wine will bust the bottles and be spilled and the bottle shall perish. He says, but, but new, wine, new wine must, emphasis on the word must, verse 8, but new wine must be put in new bottles and both are preserved. Verse 39, in conclusion, no man having drunk old wine straight away desires it, for he says the old is better. Let me explain this um, carefully. Jesus Christ said, or by saying, if you take a piece of a new garment and you sew it to an old garment, it's just a matter of time, right? The new garment would tear away that patch, that, that, that place where it was attached to the old garment, and it will become worse, all right? So he goes on to explain that if, when you want to put new wine into new bottles or into new wine skins, you don't take you don't take new wine and put it into old wine skins. The reason is because the old wine skin is already old; it has been stretched to its um, elastic limit. If you now put new wine, after some time, because of the process of fermentation, <coughs> the wine um, the gas in the wine makes the the wine skin to expand, and that causes the wine would eventually cause the old wine skin to burst because it, it has been stretched beyond its limit. What this means for us as Christians is, and what Josh Christ was saying basically is that through fasting, right, our wine skin, meaning our vessel, right, our 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 spiritual capacity is renewed, so that when God wants to pour in new wine, that will cause us to expand. Will not stretch beyond our capacity. All right, will not will not burst or will not you know won't explode because of the new things God is preparing. So what happens is every time we fast, we renew our wine skin. We prepare ourselves to accommodate new experiences from God. Okay, and that is why new wine skin must be put into new 
sorry, new wine, I beg your pardon, must be put into new wine skins or must be put into new bottles. So the question is, how do we become new wine skins, right? It doesn't mean we give our lives to Christ again or we dedicate our lives or, you know, get born again again. No, we become new wine skins through the process of fasting. Fasting renews our, our spirit so that we can accommodate new dimensions from God. A verse of scripture that is um, coming to my heart right now is Isaiah, the book of Isaiah that says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew the, their strength. So there is a, there's an experience of renewal that um, fasting grants unto us, all right? And God only, look at this, 38 says, but new wine must be put into new wine skins. So I say to you, right, are you looking for new experiences in God? Attach fasting to your daily routine or to your weekly routine, rather. Attach fasting to your discipline of Christianity and you'll see, you know, dimensions of God unveil your life. All right. And how do I know new, um, new wine represents the dimensions of the Holy Spirit? So I put the scriptures there that we wouldn't turn to. Acts chapter 2, verse 13 to 17, when at, uh, on the day of Pentecost, they thought they were drunk with new wine and just, um, sorry, Peter got up to explain that this is not a result of drunkenness, but this is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Then Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 to 18, lets us know that, you know, don't, do not be drunk with wine. We're in excess, but we feel with the Spirit. So new wine is a representation of the manifestations of the Spirit of God. Okay, wow. So I said here that fasting prepares our hearts to accommodate new and fresh experiences from the Holy Spirit. Let me say this to be honest. If you want to maintain a consistent and a buoyant experience of the Holy Spirit, then attach fasting to your practice. Every time you fast, there's some freshness that comes, you know, in your heart. Amen. All right. So I said here, what to do while we fast? I will run through this quickly, you know, and because we need to close. And I want us to pray, right? While I was praying for this, the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart for us to pray at the end of this. So what do you do while you fast? Do you just say, I will not eat food, but then you look at the clock, one o'clock, ah, two o'clock, three o'clock, 5.30, and you're waiting for six. And the moment it just hits six, if your hand is at the door of the fridge like this, they're like 5.59, six o'clock, bye, you just open your fridge to eat. No, what do you do when you fast? So two things I'm going to say to us, I'm for, suggest for us to do while we fast, all right? First, let me read Acts chapter 13, verse 1 to verse 3. I, I somewhat feel I'm a bit fast, so please just do me a favor, go back to the podcast and listen to everything again and again at your own pace. And um, if there's any part you missed, you will definitely get it. And in fact, you have more understanding than you have right now. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 to 3. Now, when we, sorry, when they were, let me take that again. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch, setting prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius and of Cyrene and Manian, who, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. So they're the group of prophets and teachers. And see, but verse two says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein I have called them. So one of the things you should do while you're fasting is minister to the Lord. 
What does ministry to the Lord mean? Again, I'll refer us to, I think last, it was last two prayer sessions we had where we talked about ministry to the Lord. Please go um, to prayer session. It's, it's on a podcast and I gave a detailed understanding and even a practice of it, okay? But in summary, ministry to the Lord means worshiping and adoring God where you are setting your heart and your affection towards God. In this type of spiritual ex experience, you are focused on God, not on yourself, all right? And like I said in, in that prayer meeting that you are singing songs that talk about God's greatness, songs that adore God, songs that talk about the beauty of God, about the kindness of God, about the qualities of God. You are ministering to God. Pretty much you are serving God what he wants, which is praise, worship, adoration, and all of that, okay? So spend quality time doing that, singing in the spirit, just let your heart be free. Don't, at this point, don't, you're not bringing a prayer request or, or anything like that. You are just fellowshipping with God and leaning in on God to hear what he would say. So spend a lot of time doing that. Many of the things that we're looking for, we will get the answers and the direction quickly when we minister to God. The Bible says, when they minister to God, then the Holy Spirit said, if they are not ministering to God, most likely the Holy Spirit might not, might not have spoken at that point. What ministering to God creates the atmosphere, right, for the Holy Spirit to speak to us, okay? So please spend time ministering to God when you fast, all right? It would refresh your spirit a whole lot, a whole, a whole lot, okay? And um, the, you know when the Bible, Bible says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. That is exactly what, what we're talking about, about. Ministering to God is waiting on God, meaning you are standing, you are standing, you know, I, again, like I explained the idea of a waiter in a restaurant. The waiter stands by the side of the guest, waiting for whatever the guest will want and give the guest whatever he demands. That is what ministering to God is. That is what waiting on God is. So when you're, when you're in a period of fasting or whenever you fast, wait on God, minister to him, then God begins to unveil his mind to you. And even things that you never asked for, God begins to reveal to you, all right? So minister to God um, in the place of prayer and fasting, all right? Second thing is spend time in prayer. And I put here, especially, in, especially praying in tongues, all right? You know, as new creation believers, one of the benefits we have is the ability to pray in the language of the spirit. And again, I have to make reference to this. We did a complete Bible study on praying in the spirit. So I can't go into detail right now. But praying in the spirit while you're fasting has a way of, of boosting, you know, it has a way of boosting your, your spirit. You know, some of you use phones that have special chargers. The charger is called fast, um, fast charger or, or basically charges the phone faster than the normal charger. Okay. That is what happens when you combine praying and fasting. When you are praying, just normally, let's say you're not fasting, you are charging, no, but it's at a slow pace. It's like your normal USB charger. But when you add fasting to it, it's like having a fast charger. The rate at which your, your, you build energy in the realm of the spirit is greatly accelerated, all right? So spend time in praying, especially when praying in tongues. And that experience stretches the capacity of your spirit and God begins to drop new things, strengthen your heart, you know, speak to you and all of that. I put here Luke chapter 9, verse 28. We can't read it because the explanation I was going to give here um, is a bit detailed as well. So, but, but however, this scripture talks about when Jesus Christ took his disciples to the mountain uh, where he prayed and he was transfigured. And when he came down, he met the other disciples that couldn't cast a demon 
you know, and Josh Christ casted the demon and, you know, all of that explanation that I can't go into right now. So please spend time, two things, right? Spend time praying and spend time ministering to God. Sometimes you may be fasting for a particular reason. I will tell you the same thing. First of all, spend time ministering to God. You know, the Esther showed us a principle in the book of Esther. When she came before the king, the king eventually asked her, what do you want? Esther didn't make her request initially. Esther said, Esther said, King, I'm inviting you to a banquet. I'm throwing a party for you. Just you and your, spe your special your top officer come to the bank banquet. And Esther arranged a, a dinner, a banquet for the king. The king was happy. He enjoyed himself. He asked Esther again, what do you want? Esther said, come the next day. Then I'll tell you. And then it was the next day she made her request. There's a principle there. When you come before God, minister to God, first of all. Don't come with your request and say, God, I want, I want a new house. Hey, God, I want a job. God, I want this. I want you to heal. No, no, no. First, minister to God. When you minister to God, the spirit is pleased. And then he will direct you how to even make the request you want to make. Right? Praise God. Okay. In conclusion, very simple tips to help you fast effectively. Okay? Number one is have a schedule or a routine. And I greatly encourage every single person listening to me, select at least one day a week that you set aside for fasting. You can pick a day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, any day of the week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, any day pick. But let it be constant, okay? And um, pick a week, pick a day rather in a week where you spend time in prayer and fasting. It helps you stay spiritually healthy. Let it be a routine. Whether you are praying for a particular thing or not, it doesn't matter. Let it be a routine that every Friday I fast, every Saturday, every Monday, whatever day of the week you pick, let it be a routine that every day in, in a week, or sorry, one day in a week rather, every week I, I fast on a particular day. Once you make it a routine, then you begin to see the benefits of it. If you make it special, you will hardly see the benefits of fasting, all right? So please have a routine, keep a schedule, select a day, in the week to fast. Then on that day, right, that you set for, for fasting, also set a time for communion, okay? Meaning if, for instance, somebody picks Saturday for fasting, that Saturday, it's possible for things to come up that you could be busy. So make sure you set out the time you want to pray. It might not necessarily be the time you are breaking your fast, right? But let it be that if a time where you can pray, so for instance, if I'm fasting, if I set my fasting days to be Saturday, I can say, all right, on Saturdays between 12 and 2, I will spend time praying, studying the word of God, communing with God, fellowshipping, and all of that. What this does is it makes sure you don't leave things to chance and it helps you organize your day. Even though it is not that moment you will break your fast, okay? So set out the, um, the time you want to commune with God in prayer. Then for those who are busy, right, and a lot of us go to work, and the requirement is still for us to fast, whether you're working or not. So what would you do? I said, because of the busyness of work, make sure you surround yourself with materials that would fill your heart um, with spiritual things. Sorry, the, the statement here is, is incomplete. It was supposed to be fill your heart with spiritual material, right? So what I do, and again, this, this is not cast in stone. It depends on your type of job and you know what you're doing. So what I do really is 
because my job doesn't require me talking to people a lot when i'm when i fast, which i do pretty much most times anyways but especially on the days i fast i listen to messages or preach uh, you know preaching teachings prayer sessions things that would stir my heart up and keep me focused towards god and this is a great thing to do you might not have your work might not permit you to do that right another thing you can do is on your way back from work or on your way to work you know if you are taking a bus taking a train you are driving back home listen to something that would edify your spirits okay don't just while away time that you i mean if you're in a busy city or in a city that has traffic like lagos you will spend 30 minutes to one hour or two hours and sometimes three hours on your way home you can invest that time in traffic in 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 praying with um training spirit or fellowship with god but by all means look for pockets of time in your day to edify yourself spiritually all right okay so lastly one more tip i didn't write here again just for people that work sometimes you might not even have time throughout the whole day to fast to to pray rather i'll tell you this still fast abstaining from food has a way like i mentioned earlier has a way of accelerating your prayer so if you come back home and you're only able to pray for 30 minutes the 30 minutes of concentrated prayer has a greater effect on your heart than when you just pray casually without fasting okay but you know like someone said also the spiritual discipline of abstaining from food is a major part of fasting okay so please by all means practice that if there's anything you're going to get from today as an action point what well, as soon as we finish today's um, bible study decide what day of the week you want to fast every week and keep to that routine it will greatly help you in your spiritual growth all right okay thank you very much um we have to close now but i'm going to take one question before we pray anyone that has a question for us before we pray um please please um go ahead with your question if you have a question for us before we pray maybe about fasting and experience you had before or you know just any question around what we studied please go ahead and share your question before we go ahead to pray. Okay, um, Tumi is asking, will there be a session on the types of fasting we have? Interesting, I didn't plan that as part of this curriculum, but I am very sure that um, as we do Bible studies, we will always, there are certain, certain, certain topics we'll always fall back to, things like prayers, fasting, studying the word. So in one of those, for that, uh, one of those future sessions, we would explore the types of fast, you know, Daniel fast, water fast, and all of that. All right. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question to me. Any other question concerning what we learned, clarification, anything? Oh, good. <laughs> okay, very good. So, let me read Irene's question, first of all. She said, so basically, fasting changes us, not that it's a special way to twist God's hands to answer our prayers. Well, you actually have answered the question, if it was a question. And thank you for even bringing that up. Fasting, let me say this again, fasting does not change God. God is sovereign. God has a sovereign will. God moves in his sovereignty and his power. <clears throat> we can't change God, okay? Our fasting is not a bribe to God. It's not 
is not what we can't bribe God to, to change his mind by fasting. Of course, there are instances where, and, and a quick word that's come to heart is when, when Jonah went to preach to the people of, of Nineveh and then they, they fasted and they repented. And someone says, Oh, but God changed his mind, he didn't destroy them. Well, it was not fasting that made God change his mind, it was their act of repentance. Fasting was part of the expression of repentance, all right. But in fact, if you read the story, God wanted to change, wanted to show them mercy. That's why he sent Jonah to preach to them. And once they repent, repented, all right, um, God forgave them, okay? So fasting doesn't change God. Saul cannot say, for instance, if God tells somebody to go to a particular city, okay, and the person decides, no, he's going to go to, to a city of his choice. So for instance, someone says, um, God speaks to someone and say, I want you to relocate to, to Abuja, but the person says, no, I want to go to Canada. And the person goes to Canada and begins to fast so that God will bless him. You cannot change God's mind. God's will for you was to go to Abuja. If you insisted on going to Canada, your fasting will not make God say, hey, yeah, my, my son has fasted for, for three months. Let me just pity him and bless him. God is not like that. You're right. You can't substitute um, fasting for obedience. So you, you said it correctly. Um, you can't twist God, God's hands by God's hands to answer your prayers by fasting. You fast in alignment with what God has already revealed to you, okay? So to me says, does it really matter if we break our fast at those specific times like 12, three and six? My, the answer is yes and no. Let me explain what I mean. Or rather no and yes. First of all, no, it doesn't, there's no, there's no, there's no, um, there's no, there's no what was word now, principle that says you must break your fast by 12 o'clock or 3 o'clock or 6 o'clock. You can't break your fast by 4 o'clock or 2. No, no. There's no doctrine like that in scriptures, right? However, why people typically keep to these times is, um, is a practice we see in, in scripture, right? Even the New Testament, uh, what, what we call prayer watches, all right? And there are certain times in the day where the, where the early disciples set out to, to pray, okay? And they designated those times as times of prayer. And those times, you know, those times were basically three. Um, for the watches, general watches, actually 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 noon, 3 p.m., and 6 p.m. So it is not as if the person that breaks by three is more spiritual than the person that breaks by four. No is that there's, there are, these are certain prayer watches, okay? There's a further explanation that I'm trying not to go into, but to answer a question in simple times, does it matter if you break at specific times? Not necessarily, you know, but there's a practice of keeping to watches that has a separate explanation, not for this study. Okay, so thank you all for your questions. <clears throat> I hope I answered your question, by the way, to me. Hope I answered your question. Ari, I hope I answered your question. Please let me know in the chat if I did. Okay, so I want to pray, spend the next two minutes, uh, or no, three minutes actually praying. And the prayer point is very simple. Okay? Um, the prayer point is simple. This is it. Our prayer point is this. Lord, fan the flame on my altar. Let it never die down. While I was praying for today's Bible study, I sensed in my heart that for some people, the fire on your altar, right, is, is burning low. What that means is your spiritual fervency is dropping. And 
I want us to ask God himself to ignite us, basically to fan the flame upon our hearts, all right? This is a very simple prayer point, and I want us to go ahead and pray. Please pray in the language of the Spirit if you can. Pray in your understanding. The prayer is this, Lord, fan the flame on my altar. Let it never die down. The scripture is taken from Leviticus 6, verse 12, where God told the priest and says, the, the fire on this altar should never burn out. So please, everyone, let's raise our voices and pray. And if you think you are doing fine spiritually, still pray. Let God increase and ignite more of his fire upon your heart in the name of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord, let the fire upon my altar not burn out. Let the fire upon my altar not burn out. Let the fire upon my altar not burn out. Ignite your fire. Find the fire. Fresh in Lord, find the flame of my altar. Let it never go down, O Lord. Ignite your fire. Let it go. Baptize me afresh with your fire. With the fire of the Holy Ghost. Burning a fire came In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. <clears throat> Amen. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Okay, please go ahead and and um, let this be your prayer. Even from from after this after this Bible study, continue praying. It let God set you on fire. If you notice that your attitude towards spiritual things is beginning to become complacent, let God set you on fire. Don't wait until one day. You find that don't wait until it's obvious that you've backslided. The moment you see that spiritual things no longer excites you, begin to pray for God to find, you know, the flame in you. Amen. Okay, thank you everyone for joining us. Um, do have a wonderful rest of your day. Please, I feel somewhat that um, many of us will need to go back to this study to listen and gain clarity. Please, by all means, do that. The recording will be up latest tomorrow morning. And I'll send the link to our group. Oh, I almost forgot. Before we go, please, is there anyone who is joining us for the first time today? This is your first time joining us for our Bible study. Please let us know who you are. Introduce yourself. Tell us who invited you or how you found out about us. And also, you know, where you're joining us from.
Anyone like that? Join us for the first time. Please introduce yourself. If you're speaking, um, remember to unmute yourself so we can hear you. First time joining us. Tell us where you're joining us from and who invited you. Oh, hi, Ari, first time. Awesome. Um, can you tell us where you're joining us from and also how you found out about us or who invited you? Anyone else like that? Please go ahead and speak, or you could drop a comment in the chat. Um, I'm seeing, I may be wrong, but Olufunke, is this your first time joining us? Um, if it is, please introduce yourself. If it's not, that's fine. But if it's your first time joining us. Hi, uh, it's actually not my first time of joining. I joined last week, but I couldn't uh, say anything because I was at work. Uh, oh. I'm joining from Houston. Awesome, awesome, thank you. And uh, my sister invited me. Okay, who is your sister? Bola Tutolu Jobi. Oh, Bola Tutolu. All right. So let's welcome Funke and let's also welcome Ari. Ari said in the WhatsApp chat that she's joining for the first time. She's joining from Lagos. She saw it on your friend's WhatsApp status. Ari, can you let us know which of your friends or who is the friend you know that you saw or that you saw the the invite on WhatsApp status? Oh, on Bola Tito. Okay, awesome, awesome. Great. So please, you're welcome, um, Funke and Ari. Welcome to Online Bible Community. And um, we're glad to have you join us. We have a WhatsApp group where we pitch ourselves as a community, you know, and we send, send information across, right? It's just easy to reach everyone from there. So I'm dropping the link right now um, in the comments section just before I we go. So this is um, the link to our WhatsApp group. So please follow the link to join us, um, and we share across we share information, you know, right in the group. Okay. And by the way, let me ask. I hope you were blessed today, um, Ari and Punke. Hope you learned one or two things. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I learned a lot today, and it was timely. Thank you. You're welcome. Ari, how about you? Hope you learned something. I mean, you've been asking questions anyway. So yeah, okay, I guess we gotta close now. Please, the link is in the comment section to join our WhatsApp group. If you haven't joined, please follow the link. No spams in our group, no unnecessary message, no scamming, no nothing like that. Just pure community content for our spiritual growth. All right, thank you all for joining us. Let's say a word of prayer. We thank you, Father, for today. We declare that this word is settled in our hearts and it grows in our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, have a wonderful rest of your day, everyone. See you next week. Um, same link, same time. God bless you. Bye. Thank you very much, Victor. Appreciate it.